Triple M footy lives on listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water. Welcome to Triple M's Saturday Scrum. My name's Tony Squires, joined by Ryan Girdler as ever, and Dave Riccio, and especially today by Jai Arrow. Good night, mate. Hey, boys. Thanks for having me again. I, I, I understand that uh, this morning you were off to puppy school. Yeah. <laughs> How was that for you? Yeah, uh, it was good. I got there an hour early, which didn't help. Um, I thought it was at 9 o'clock, but uh, unfortunately it was at 10 o'clock. So. Dave Rico, you're listening. This is the kind of guy who turns up an hour early for stuff. Okay? That wasn't my purpose. Is that, what, is, what is that about? Good afternoon, <laughs> guys. Uh, what, are you throwing punches already? Just having a little drive-by. <laughs> wow. Just a drive-by. How was the puppy school going? Yeah, really good. Uh, it was my first session today, so it, it's more about interacting. Uh, the little fella. What's get, the dog's name? Uh, Rocky. Rocky. Um, Rocky. American bully, so... Mm-hmm. He's gorgeous, but he's he's a bit of a pain in the ass at the moment. Right. Well, you got pains in more than your ass, haven't you? Uh, you got the ankle <laughs> pain as well. How how are, how are you coming along? I, I see you're not, uh, you know, you're not limping too badly. How are you travelling? The with boot's that? gone. I see. Mate. Yeah, hobbling, hobbling along. Um, well, I have been told that um, I, they want the physios that they want to get it moving. So I thought getting out of the moon boot, um, they just want me in it around, say, a lot of. Where there's a lot of people, congestion. Yeah, there's a lot of congestion. Um, so if you go to vi- the races or Vivid, yeah, that train, no, well, train station. <laughs> I can't stops. go to the races. Can't go to the races. I couldn't help myself there. So um, it's coming along really well. A lot quicker than I thought. Um, it's been the first week was an absolute nightmare. Um, I was on crutches, couldn't put any pressure on my ankle. Trying to feed two big dogs uh, was absolutely torture. And I was telling you, Tony, I had to. Hobble out, go grab two dog bowls, hobble back in with the with the crutches, mind you, and then um, put the food in. And then I couldn't obviously hold two dog bowls and crutches, so I've had to hop outside on one leg and then hop back in and grab the crutches. So, yeah, I've, I, I've perfect really, recuperation. Yeah, I built a built a, a fair bit of character over the past couple of weeks um, with that. So uh, you, nice you're living by yourself, aren't you? Yeah, so the Liam Knight saga has ended. So yeah. I'm leaving, uh, bought a house in Maroubra and living by myself at the moment. So that was, learn a lot about yourself when you're at home yeah. uh, alone. So I've learned a lot. <laughs> you've gone, Not good things either. You've gone deep into your own head, have you? <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> what kind of place is it? Oh, it's dark, dark <laughs> place. I don't think, uh, I reckon you would love to be in my head for a day. Um, the boys have said that. They want, they want to know what goes up on here. There's not much. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, and so nobody's come around to help you out at all, none of your teammates? No, Liam and Jed Cartwright, um, they've, they come over not, not too often, um, as much as they can, but I'm a pretty independent person and, and don't, I'm not someone who really likes to ask for help yep. or um, things like that. So I've just tried to get by by myself. I don't know why I do it. I'm, I'm too proud of a person, I guess, to actually ask someone, can you come and help me? I need mm. help. So. The last time we spoke... Wasn't Cody Walker putting your IKEA bed side <laughs> tables together? Yes, that was that was the chairs. Actually, he was the chairs. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, obviously asked for a little bit of help on that occasion. Well, no, that was just on him. He he came over to come and check the place out because he's a sticky beak, and he saw the box there, the IKEA boxes, and decided he'd put it together. I didn't say oh. a word. I said thank you. I please and thank you. Mm. Always please and thank you. But I said thank it, you after it, he'd got the chair done. Um, hasn't upright? fallen. Yes, Maybe it hasn't fallen yet. It. Hasn't broken no. yet. Good. So no, that's a good. Sign. Thanks, Codes. You're a good man. Sometimes you've got to be dry. Just to, as a side note here, you've got to be able to ask people for help. Yeah, you must allow that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yourself. Don't get me wrong. There was times there where I just said, oh, Nighty, can you please feed the dogs? I've had a gut full of hopping outside. Or um, Jed's actually come and grabbed my other dog and taken her to the dog park with him and his dog as well. So I have had some help, don't get me wrong. I'm probably crying wolfie. I, I have had some help, but, yeah, it was the first week was tough. Uh, Tone, can I shift gears away from Pet, tra- Pet Central here mm-hmm. um, and get something off my chest? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe Arrow's out for six weeks yep. at the moment. He's got the moon boots off. He's on the improve. Mm-hmm. He would be playing for State of Origin next Wednesday night for the Queensland Origin team. Toby Rudolph. Sorry, Royce Hunt. My mistake, Toby Rudolph. Royce Hunt is undergoing surgery this week. I know where we're going here. For sev- he's out for seven weeks. The Chris Randall who performed the hip drop on, on Jai, mm-hmm. is out for one week, one match. Yeah. Christian Welsh, fan favourite, supporter of the show, is also out for one match. Royce Hunt's gone for seven weeks. Two key forwards for two key teams, Cronulla and South Sydney, gone. Now, at the start of this season, the game said they were going to get serious on this tackle. Now, we saw paltry fines being pushed out, a 1000 bucks here and there. And now, where has the clampdown gone on this tackle that's cost a bloke? He never knows when he's going to play State of Origin again. And he's out. He's gone. Because of a hip drop that they're penalising for one match. I think it's ridiculous the way that the game has just... They, they throw a spotlight on an issue and walk away from it um, and not get serious about it. How does a player be sidelined, undergo surgery for six weeks... Player responsible only serves one match. Hey, Dave, um, the Nanai one. Nanai got four weeks, didn't he? Was there an injury that came out of that on the player that uh, he performed the, oh, yeah. the hip drop? I'm yeah, just wondering, yeah, have, I mean, do, check, they take, track, do they take the length it. of the injury or can't the, keep the up player that, involved the into that... consideration or not? Because when you look well, at the well, Nanai one... Wasn't and the you purpose look at... of the, the, the clamp down on the hip drop because of the fear yep. of serious injury and maiming of yep. the legs? And, and this yeah. is what we've got. We've well, got it. You, but that's what Gertz is saying. You, isn't it? Would, do they take that would injury? You compare, would you compare Nanai's one to the one that we've seen last or the last couple of weeks with with Randall and, and co and and, um, and Welsh? It's would you compare a, that to the... Well, well it's not about comparing. I'm, com- I'm It's not about comparing. The point well, is... Well, that's what they would no, do, right? No, but they, Gertz, would, they, they were both com- charged on these occasions. But so the, Christian Welsh was charged with yeah. a hip drop. Chris yep. Randall was charged with a hip drop, both grade twos. Dangerous mm. contact, I understand. Yeah. They are being visually considered hip drops by the yeah. NRL Match Review Committee. So the, yeah, out- so you're the outcome there should is one be a week. mandatory stand down for a hip drop, regardless of the seriousness of... Well, okay, so they're not serious about get, getting rid of well, it. Well, they well, were because they obviously... They, they well, stood they're not down. anymore. I got well, they, told well, they there was stood no down force on weeks. <laughs> and, and, and I think the one that they're really trying to clamp out is the one where you've got a guy that's stationary, which was the Nanai one, and the yep. third guy came in and did the damage. On the two that I saw with involving Jai uh, and Christian Walsh uh, performing the other one, well, they, they weren't a similar situation or, or an incident. Okay. Wasn't very similar. I, I, I hear think, what you're saying in like, relation to force, technique, you know, you know, yeah. ca- category A hip chop. However, that's what they've got to be judged on. However, right? Gertz, they were both charged grade two dangerous contact under the terminology mm-hmm. of a hip chop. Yeah. So does that mean Nanoise was a grade three then? Must have been. Well, I, I, again, I have to go and check it. I don't want to say something that I don't know at this point in time, but I'll go check it. And, so, I, and all of, I don't understand where the, the spotlight has gone. Why has it gone away? But so, Joe, you were told that there wasn't uh, force 
in oh. your hip. Even though you immediately felt it, you've got done syndesmosis injury, you've gone straight to surgery. Yeah. I, yeah, I was... I was blowing up on the field because obviously I was in a lot of pain and we didn't even get a penalty, which was kind of frustrating because once it happened, I knew I was in some trouble um, and I got up and understood that it wasn't the ref. Uh, the bunker had obviously looked at it and um, the ref had told me there was no force and I probably can't repeat what I said to the ref but and realised it wasn't him, it was the bunker looking at it, but I just basically said, you're, you're kidding me, I can't walk and then obviously this has happened but... Um, yeah, it, it can be, it, it probably, it wasn't intentional by Christian. Oh, don't get me no. wrong. It, it was last, I remember it was last tackle. Not, not and many I'd, of them are, them, them are. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. We don't go out there to purposely hip drop someone no. and try to take their ankle out there. They're just the thing in the game where you're under fatigue. And I knew at the time I'd sort of beat him on his outside. So he sort of had to turn sideways and he's jumped and grabbed my hips and, um, obviously tried to pull me down because it was last tackle and we were close to the line. So you, I can understand he's trying to stop a try and it's just trying to find that fine line on, um, you know, when you do take out your legs, you, you're not really in control of where your body's going to go. Mm. So um, I've been, I've definitely been guilty of probably, um, definitely in my career. Losing your legs. Yeah, losing, losing. my losing my legs yeah. and especially under fatigue. When you're under fatigue, your first thought is just to, you know, Get drop rid your body of weight. yeah, drop your body weight and get the person down. So it's just it's it's a hard one, but and 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 as we've spoken about before, Joe, if you it's the timing of it is awful. Yeah, it's not great timing. Um, but I've uh, this has happened to me before in 2019, the exact same injury, roughly around the same time leading up to Origin two after we just won the first Origin game uh, in 2019. It's a different ankle this time, so. I got metal in, uh, well, wire in both my ankles, so they're twice as strong. So hopefully there's no touch wood, any ankle problems leading um, my return. But um, yeah, it's not it's not great timing. But then again, you know, I come to terms with it pretty quick. I knew once it happened, um, once I was going under the knife, that that was probably my Origin series gone. So um, I just had to focus on the the time ahead, and that is um, leading into finals time. So around 21, I'm looking at Sunshine Coast against Brisbane, and that'll give me roughly around four or five games leading into the, the crunch end of the season. And what exactly what you need in terms of that recovery is a big, clumsy dog called Rocky running around your ankles. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> exactly. No idea about that, actually. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> he got my ankle this morning. I was filthy at him. <laughs> uh, sit, Rocky. Sit. All right. Any uh, other injury updates? Anything happened last night? I don't think there's anything from the chart sheet, yeah, was there? Nothing as yet. Oh, look, I'd just be interested to see how the match review committee view that semi-Valami um, incident. Yeah. In, in, yeah. You know where I'm going here, Gertz? Yeah, that was. Surreal. I'm not sure there's a Surreal. category for that one day. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that was strange. Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Dave Rickow, and Jai Arrow with you ahead of State of Origin next Wednesday, Suncorp Stadium. Absolute must win for New South Wales after the uh, first up loss in Adelaide. A uh, bit of a blow during camp, though. The Latrell Mitchell has once more pulled out with that calf injury. Is it a surprise that they picked him at all, Dave Riccio, uh, only to be disappointed with him having to? Say no, I can't do it. Oh, look! I think I think when you've got a player of Latrell Mitchell's class and caliber, the Blues wanted to give him every opportunity to at least uh, attempt to get out there next Wednesday night. Ultimately, it was forlorn. Um, calves are tricky. 
And we yeah. said this from the from the moment he did it. That's why Ryan Girdle doesn't have any. It's much he just doesn't that way, isn't it, Kurt? Yeah. <laughs> I still tore something I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the moment he did it in camp prior to Origin 1 on the Sunday afternoon training session, when you heard it was a calf injury, they're always problematic. They just linger, take time for different players. And, and as I said, I think it was only because of who Latrell Mitchell is that the Blues wanted to give him every chance. And with what he's on the line, why not? Um, I think they knew pretty early on, though, uh, and I'm talking Monday, Tuesday, that while they played the charades and the facade that he might still get there, I think internally in that camp they knew that he was – he was going to struggle and uh, ultimately the call was made on Thursday um, that he, he was out and uh, Stephen Crichton, the obvious replacement, was no-brainer to come straight in. He was terrific in the first game, Stephen Crichton, certainly one of the best. As a teammate of yours, Jai, were you unsur- weren't surprised that he didn't make it, Latrell? Nah, I wasn't surprised. I, I think um, knowing Latrell as a person um, and a teammate, he 100% wouldn't have wanted to go into you know, a must-win origin at Suncorp underdone. And I just feel as though uh, he probably would have made that decision and just said it's probably best if um, someone who's who can play and can train throughout the whole week um, fills his spot because going up to Suncorp um, in a must-win underdone probably wouldn't have been ideal for him. And... He, I think he's a huge loss for him. He obviously gives players around him a lot of confidence when you see Latrell Mitchell, especially when he's got the ball in hand. So wasn't really surprised that, um, no, he pulled the pin. Stephen Crichton, obviously, as I said, uh, Gerds, he was terrific in the first game, so he won't let anybody down? No, he certainly won't. But I, but I understand, um, you know, their decision to bring Latrell back in because... You know, we, we, need a, we need a circuit breaker. He's a guy that in a situation, given as much sort of um, football as, as they got in game one, he, he and Stephen played really well, but, you know, um, Latrell's a guy that just can create opportunities out of nothing. And, he, and he's, he, he's a guy that identifies moments in games um, and then goes in and, and does something in those moments. And unfortunately, we, we don't have a lot of those guys. Oh, well, there's not a lot of those guys in the game. You've got, like, guys, Cam Munster, you know, and we saw Daly Chair Evans with a couple of moments. We, you know, we needed to have a couple of those moments uh, in game one. That potentially could have been the difference for us. And Latrell's a guy that, you know, he's just always around those sort of moments in big games. So I think that's why we'll miss him the most. I think it's an even bigger blow on the basis of what Gerds is talking about going to Suncorp. Latrell Mitchell's a player that, as we've come to know, really embraces the the occasion, the atmosphere, uh, the us against them. He, we've seen him do it for South Sydney against the Roosters, really go after what he now he's happy to bait the Roosters fans by calling it Trellion Stadium. Uh, he, like he, he loves it. He loves he does. it. He loves it. And, and that's a, that's a real mm. not as good said. Not every player's got that confidence yeah. to really put themselves out there, knowing that you're on almost a hiding to nothing. If you get it wrong, you're going to get bashed for it publicly. And but Trell's not afraid to do that. And it, and that's a blow on that account because the occasion up there is what is ultimately one of the biggest hurdles for the Blues. We know that never in history, never in 41 years of state of origin, has a Blues side lost game one and gone up to Queensland and squared the series and gone on to win the series. It's never been done before. This is what's on the line for the Blues. And someone like Latrell just 
He, he, he would push all that aside. Whatever. Let's go do it. <laughs> he really would. He would, but I like that stat. Dave, thank you. <laughs> it's his birthday yesterday? Let's yeah, it was his birthday. Happy birthday, Charlie, big fella, wherever you are. Um, thinking of you. Love you. Mm. I'll see you soon. All right, the other big, uh, big out was Nathan Cleary, and then there was a debate that raged at who should wear the number seven in this game that is so important we've just been speaking about. Brad Fittler, New South Wales coach, was a bit surprised at all the discussion uh, about it. Here's what he had to say. Well, the last time Nathan went down, Mitchell played. So, you know... <laughs> The banter around who was going to play, I, I couldn't quite work it out. So you know, it makes you a lot more comfortable when you watch him yesterday and uh, go and control the game and you know, play a big part in why they won. But, yeah, I do. I find it interesting sometimes, the chat around different positions and players and choices and it's becoming a circus. Uh, is it a circus? I mean, Dave Ricky, surely there was a worthy discussion given that Nico Hines was on the bench, did come on in the first game, was a, you know, Dally M uh, medalist from last year and playing in the halves. Mm. Well, I've been called a clown a number of times, so... Mm-hmm. He's been might... called a Muppet as well, or just a clown. <laughs> <laughs> he might be right. He might be right. I'm just part, I'm just part of the big circus um, up on the trapeze. Um, the only thing I'll say to that is, oh, look, I, I think, I think Freddie, Freddie's in the media, so he gets the debate dissection of every player. But I felt as though Freddie's trying to send a message to Mitch Moses there that he's got his back, mm. confident, swise. Like, Absolutely. I've, got, I've, I've picked you for a reason and it was never in doubt. That's a Wayne Bennett tactic, that. Yeah. You think yeah, so, Gerv? I, I really like that as well. And, and just, on, just on Mitch, Tony, um, yeah, I mean, his development in the last couple of years around some of the, the harder parts of the game, you know, especially defensively and taking on the line and – um, and collision, I think that's uh, he's just really matured um, into a um, into a great a great number seven. Um, and also, I think early on in his career, and it wasn't that long ago, maybe two or three years ago, like he, he was always a guy looking for the big play. He sort of wouldn't direct the team around. Um, it didn't look like he'd go out there with you know much direction, and then. Yeah, the last couple of years, especially I think this year, you know, his development in those parts of the game where he looks like he goes out there with a plan, he's really physical defensively, he's always running. And I think on the back of, um, I spoke about it last week, some of the areas of the game I thought we dominated through the middle, we didn't take advantage because we were always looking to pass and shift. I think with a guy like Mitch to go out there, if we can have that run mentality, you know, I think he can cause Queensland some headaches on those edges. Uh, You know, Tone, your point's an obvious one with Nico. Like, he, he was, you know, he's the Dalian player of the year and, and everyone would have thought that if he was, you know, arguably the most consistent player in the game and is a halfback, when the half, starting halfback of the Blues goes down, well, you would think that Nico Hines slots straight in. Where Brad Fittler um, gets me a little bit, um, if he wasn't playing that, that tactic of back, backing Mitch... He said he finds it interesting in the debate around the selections. Well, in the future, let's just come out and declare who our replacement is straight away because that will take away the debate. That, if, if, if Freddie had come out and said, well, as soon as Nathan went down, Mitchell Moses is out, will be our replacement, and if he's not injured, if he's injured, we'll look at other options. But so, right now, Mitchell Moses is our man to replace him. So you think none of the things that happened last weekend actually affected the no. selection? The fact that Nico Hines didn't have a great game, no the fact that, that Mitchell Moses did have a great game. I've got no doubt Mitchell Moses knew he, he was in the box seat to win that Blues jersey. 
I've got no doubt there was some communication from the Blues coaching staff to Mitch. All right, he's played before, obviously. He played uh, one State of Origin game with a, a back that was broken in 98 places. But he, <laughs> Jaira, <laughs> as a Queenslander and as a guy who plays against Mitch and see how he can control certainly that kicking game, getting big blokes like you having to run out of the corners, he brings something. Yeah, absolutely. I can see why they've picked him and... Um, his game is is based around a lot of control and field position, and um, you know defensively he'll have to be strong, and he has been strong defensively. He's def- that's something he's definitely worked on, and um, it's what Origin games are built about is is defensive moments, and I'm sure I'd be up for that, but. To be honest, I don't really care who they pick, eh? <laughs> 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 I know that might be a Queensland bias thing, but um, look, I have no doubts. Um, you know, Freddie's put faith in him. He's he's put him in the deep water, um, going up to Queensland in a must win at Suncorp, as I said. So, yeah, good luck to him. I hope he has a great game, but get, gets beat by fifty. So, let's <laughs> we'll see how we go. I, I, I know uh, there's a lot of focus on Mitchell for obvious reasons, but for me, it's Jerome Luai that has an opportunity to cement himself. Uh, take his game and take perception of his game to an, a, a completely new ne- level. I would argue it's the biggest 80 minutes of his career. And I'll say it on a number of fronts. One, he's yet to be re-signed by the Penrith Panthers. He can be, be become a free agent from November 1. And if he goes to Queensland, and as I said, against all them statistics that against the Blues, and he's able to show that he can win an origin match against Queensland without, without... Nathan Cleary, it takes the perception of Jerome Luai as an organiser, as a as a game-winning half um, at the elite level to a new stratosphere, and that would take his salary, I believe, to a new level as well, and to the million-dollar bracket. He's currently not in that bracket. Um, second to that is that we've seen in the past when Nathan is out, uh, and he was, uh, I think it was about 10 games last year, either injury or suspension for Nathan last year. Jerome actually stood up and helped mm. carry the Panthers towards that premiership. He's also done it for Sa- Samoa at the World Cup as the only half, with no Nathan Cleary. He now needs to do it at an origin level. And I know all the spotlights on Mitch, but for me, it's Jerome Luai's game that can, can be the difference for the Blues. Is he nice and lippy during State of Origin, Jerome? <sighs> oh, I'm trying to think. No. <sighs> I'd say so. I, don't, I haven't really had many run-ins with him on the field, so I don't have to think. You haven't I pulled was his bit, hair? I was a bit <laughs> lippy. No, <laughs> no, not me. I don't pull there. <laughs> You're a bit lippy. Uh, meanwhile, of course, the Maroons are a little flying under the radar, everything going along, hunky-dory, tickety-boo. Coach Greg Alexander, Brandy, good day, mate. Hello, Tony. How are you doing? You're still teaching them how to do the torpedo kick there at training, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were the days. Yeah, those the, were the days. The only kick he's got, Gerds. He tells me it's the only kick I've he's seen got. It. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen him work his magic with the torpedo. He's got a few other ones, Tone. Don't let him tell you that. Hey, Tone, don't, don't, don't let him get away with that laugh. He literally is at training. Putting yeah. the, the torpies up. Of I've seen it happen. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. How is how's it all going? Obviously, They're going about 15 metres high. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> little little <laughs> hamstrings <laughs> are pinging. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, the shorts have... They're, they're getting shorter and, and, and lower every year. Um, shorter and lower. Um, no, things are good. Things are good. I'm, I'm just on the uh, Newcastle Linkway to uh, the 3 o'clock game this afternoon. So 
looking forward to it. That will be good. Roosters. Yeah. Look, uh, Dave Rico has just reminded everybody of the stat should you get this job done, creating a bit of history to go into game two at Suncorp Stadium, one down, and actually uh, win that game to come through to do the get the series. What do you feel like about creating that bit of history? That'd be nice, Tony. Mm. Uh, that, that that certainly would be nice. If we if we don't create history, I think I might take the uh, the slow trip round uh, home via WA. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, take a couple yeah. of weeks to get home. Yeah. Mm. No. No. Look, I, I, everyone realizes what what the challenge is in front of the team, but I think everyone's excited about it. Um, Suncorp's, you know, it's a tough place to win, but. I think we've got the team, and if we play anywhere near the football that I know this team can play, well, uh, and we do the other, we get the, the the part of the game that you need to get right um, in an Origin game, and that's the the physical battle. You, you've got to win the physical battle, and you can't flinch. You can't. You just got to do it for 80 minutes. And I think if we get that part of the game right, we've got the the points to win. Hey, hey, Brandy, it's um. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. It's a great story, isn't it, for our boys to go up? They're usually going into you know most series as as favourites, and uh, the stories are always about Queensland and who they bring. And the opportunities there really for the boys this time, and it's a little bit romantic. And I think that's what that's what's exciting the state, and I'm sure the players. Um, there was some there were some really nice moments I thought during Origin One where we were dominant through the middle and. You know, we always look to sort of play some of those combinations that we've picked over the last couple of years and maybe not take advantage fully of some of the dominance that we created through the middle. With some new combinations coming in, Brandy, do, does that look a little bit different? Do, do we simplify and how do we take advantage of some of those those dominant sort of parts of the game that, that we created in game one? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there was, you know, there was periods in that game, it was the middle part of the game, we, we started poorly, we... We ended, uh, we ended poorly. The, the final 10 minutes was very disappointing. And, you know, you can't have defensive lapses like we did late in the game and, and win, win origin, um, especially when you, you down, find yourself down 10-0. I thought, I thought there was, you know, fair chunks of that game where we just we went away from the plan that we had. Um, and we have got new combinations, of course, with uh, two new hookers, and a new halfback, uh, but I, I think they'll combine, and they're they're all playing, you know, great footy. Mitch Moses has been in good form all year, even though he ha- hadn't really been spoken about. Um, um, but I think Mitch is uh, Mitch is at the age now where he's he's ready to ready to have a good game in Origin. I, I really believe that, and uh, I think the two hookers that we've sort of we've tried over the years, but it just hasn't worked for one reason or another. Uh, back in 21, we had Appy and Cookie play. Um, you know, Appy come off the bench, uh, and um, you know now we've got Reese Robson there with with Damian Cook. So I think the new combinations will see us play a little bit different football, but it's it's all about capitalising on any advantage you're able to gain, with, whether it's momentum or field position. And uh, and taking your chances, you know, we, we got across the line. We just couldn't get the ball down in the in-goal area a couple of times. Uh, desperate defence by the Queenslanders, you know, and that that denied us. But uh, yeah, you got to you got to take advantage of, of those moments and, and win yeah. big moments. That's that's what Origin's about. And um, Brandy, uh, the reason you're driving up to Newcastle is because it's a training day off for the Blues tomorrow, being Sunday. 
is always considered yeah. the most important training session of the entire build-up. Uh, only a few days out from the big game. Bring us up to speed on where you're at and as far as those injured boys. We know Latrell's now out, Stephen Crichton in. Where's Cam Murray yeah. and Liam Martin at? Uh, Liam's going well. He's just going through all the protocols that he needs to go through uh, as a you know a category one and return to play protocol. So um, uh, Liam's good. Liam's just following the doctors, and he'll he'll be no problems. He's had uh, no effects. Uh, whatever he's been doing through the week is uh, he's been able to handle it quite comfortably. Um, and Cameron Murray trained yesterday and. He'll get. He'll train with the team on on Sunday, Dave. He'll. He's. He's almost ready to go. So he just needs to tick off team training tomorrow, um, and then he's good. Brandy, uh, one that surprised a lot of people as far as selections are concerned is on the bench, and it's bench forward Stefano Utukamanu. What role is he going to play? Because off the top, you said that the Blues need to win the physical battle. He's a big boy. When will he get into yep. the game, and how how what how will he be used? Uh, not sure exactly when he'll come come in, Dave. But you know he's um, you know he's 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 been in good form, Stefano. He's been part of the, the side. Um, he was with us in twenty one. Uh, he was with us over in Adelaide, and uh, you you know you said it. He's big. He's physical. Uh, he's mobile, and I think he's ready. He's a he's a terrific young man, and. Uh, you know, I think he's got a he's got a good bond with with Junior and Payne, and I think between the three of those boys, they can, uh, you know, they can win that that middle battle, which is uh, vitally important. Um, Great, Stefano. You know, he's he's ready to do whatever Freddie wants him to do, but um, we'll just see how the game pans out. Hey, Grego, it's uh, it's always easy uh, in your first origin to get a little bit caught in the headlights or, you know, trying to keep up with the speed. It all comes at you pretty fast. Hudson Young didn't get many opportunities in game one. He gets another opportunity. How can how can he get more involved? Yeah, I reckon Gertz, and, and he only, he played 20 minutes and because we had Liam Martin on the bench, we thought we'd introduce Liam pretty quickly and then he shifted out to the edge. You know, Hudson... Um, you know, tried to get himself involved, a few errors, but Hudson, we, we just thought, well, he's, he's an origin player and he deserves a second chance, even though he didn't get back on the field. So, you know, he just gets that chance again, Gerds, um, to do what I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're, we're all confident we know how he's going to play, how he can play. Um, and you're right, sometimes it just doesn't happen uh, when you get in your first origin game for whatever reason. He tried to get involved early. Um, but I think second go round, you'll be much better. Brandy, obviously when you're involved in uh, Blues, it's all about your team and not about their team. But let's talk about their team. Uh, Cameron Munster, he's got to that level now, that kind of, well, we're not saying Wally Lewis, but certainly a controlling figure, a guy who can make or break an origin game. He's done it so often, even if he looks like he's slowing down at one point, he'll grab the moment and he'll punish you. What do you do about that? Um. There's, there's. I thought we did quite a good job limiting Cameron Munster until that that moment. You know, eight minutes before full time, where he just he drifted across the field, and and, and you thought that you know there was enough defence there to take care of him. Um, Tony, I, I I don't know if we've had this conversation before, but um, whenever I think of of Queensland Origin at the moment, and for the last five years since you know I've been uh, helping Freddie out, uh, that. 
the player that springs to mind is Cameron Munster. Like he's mm. he's punished us so many times over the last five or six years. Yeah. Um, that uh, you know, if there's one player that keeps me awake at night um, <laughs> through an Origin series, it, it's it's Cameron yeah. Munster because mm. he is just the best player, unstructured player in the game. He can yep. just do it, club level, Origin level, international level. He can just break open a game um, with the click of the fingers. Uh, he really yeah. is, you know, he's, he's just, he's one of the best. And, and uh, you know, he'll go down in origin history as, as one of the best. So he's always a concern. Uh, Brandy, just before we let you go, uh, can you confirm whether Reese Robson's going to start ahead of Damian Cook? Um, I don't think so. David, no, but I, I can't. I can't confirm. Oh, yeah, sorry. You don't think you can confirm it? <laughs> I, I, well, there's there's a lot of things that, that I can't confirm, but, um, and, and that's just one of them. Just yeah. waiting for the forecast to come out, <laughs> yeah. Dave. We don't know what the weather's going to be like. I mean, there's so many factors I've got to try. that can change a decision. Like so that, many right? things to take into totally. account. Before yes, you, yes. can confirm. An hour before the game. <laughs> I love it. See Randy, Randy lovely to talk to you. Chat soon. Good luck for Wednesday. See you, fellas. Bye, bye. There. Is Greg Alexander on his way to Newcastle, then of course on his way to Suncorp Stadium with the Blues. Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Dave Ruccio, and Jai Arrow with you on this Saturday afternoon. All right, still looking ahead towards Wednesday, State of Origin to Queensland and New South Wales. We've uh, torn apart what's going on with the the Blues. What about Queensland? The news just doesn't come out of there. There's just all very very quiet. Jai, is that the idea? Just to, under the radar? You know, we're not bothering anybody. Just nothing to see here. No, just very discreet and yeah. just worried about the job on Wednesday night. So uh, apparently we're always flying under the radar, but we just go about our business like we always do. Steel caps on and um, away we go. And that's the Billy way, the Billy Slater way as well? Oh, I guess so. I think it's just always been a, a thing that's instilled into us. So, um, yeah, there's not much that goes on. Just the standard training. Enjoy each other's company and, and get ready. Yeah, it's all pretty simple, isn't it, eh? <laughs> For Queen, listen to that. Uh, in all seriousness, Jai, um, you know, I was talking to you off air about the Queensland performance, and I've I, I got to say, you know, I thought it was the game that the Blues lost. I didn't – I felt like that they they had ample enough opportunities to win the game, and it was merely through the, the, the heart and spirit of Queensland's scrambling defence and obviously the brilliance of Cameron Munster that got you home in the end. So I'm wondering if Billy Slater would be overly happy with the performance in game one? Yeah, I don't think he would have been overly happy the way we executed um, things in attack and and things like that. But um, as you said, I, I don't feel as though we probably didn't have any right to win that game, but somehow we found a way. And um, a massive credit to Keen Munster for standing up in those big moments as well, who he always, he always seems to... Um, always seems to come up with those big moments and um, I heard Brandy saying that he gives him nightmares. Don't worry. Don't worry, Brandy, mate. He, he gives us all nightmares. We can't <laughs> sleep at night because it's a nonstop pest throughout the camp. But um, I reckon Bill's addressed that, though, the performance and um, where he thinks we can fix things. So I've no doubts he's done that during camp. So I'm excited to see what the boys come up with. Joe, when, when the cameras went into the sheds at half time, you guys were under a fair bit of pressure. Cameron Smith seemed to be delivering the message. What was he up and about? And Billy seemed pretty quiet and off to the side. Yeah, that's a good question. It was a long time, a long time ago now, Gertz. I can't really remember. Okay. <laughs> too much emotion, too much adrenaline. But I think it was just, um, you know, Cam and Bill. Bill definitely did have a say. I think he had the first say, so the cameras must have got it at the wrong time. It was more mm-hmm. just to... 
um, keep turning up for each other and and when these when the origin moment moments come, take them um, <laughs> defensively and in attack. And um, we were lucky enough to do that. We took a lot longer than expected. It took us um, 30 minutes to kick into gear and and decided to. Um, I suppose, play our footy in the last eight minutes and Lindsay Collins decided to be a fullback for for a second. So that was nice and enjoyable to watch as well. Joe, can you take the listeners into halftime of a state of origin? Like, what, what is the heart racing? Is the, the, the legs burning at that point? Who's, who, whose job is it to calm the team down? Is everyone a little bit more um, erratic than a normal club game? What's it like? I think it's much more relaxed. I remember coming off the field and I'd only just got on the field as well. So I was in that sort of emotional stage where I just got into the game. But I remember coming off and it was very relaxed in the sheds, uh, very quiet, very relaxed. Everyone was sort of, um, say, talking to the bloke next to him up until Bill and, and Cam spoke. Um, I wouldn't say it's there's a lot of energy at halftime. It's more, all right, relax, take a breath. Um, catch your breath so you can go out there and, and hopefully do a job in the second half. So it's much more, much more relaxed than I, I, I'd say people think for sure. Um, Brad Fittler said there was a bit of a circus around the selections for New South Wales, not so much so for Queensland. Obviously, you're out, Tommy Gilbert, Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, the people who come in, you're obviously happy for them. They'll do the job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Maya, Jeremiah, Nanai, um, he deserved to be there with the performance he put in in game three last year and in the series he had. And um, Xavier as well, who, who's played the game and um, who's been there before and done a job. So they were no-brainers. And um, I think uh, who I played, I played a fair bit of footy with, Moe Fodawaka. I'm so happy for that bloke. Um, he's deserved his opportunity. He, he now gets another opportunity to put on that Maroon jersey. And um, Bill picked the three guys that I think will do the job. So... I'm really excited to see those three boys get out there and and grab that opportunity with both hands and hopefully bring the shield back to Queensland. Welcome to Tony's Spotting Quiz. Uh, How's your your brain feeling, Joe? Yeah, good. Mate, that music, you made it in life. That's all you need. (laughs) Well, wherever I go, I have this music. I walk into a room and that music plays. It's terrific. I'm ready. Uh, You're ready? Okay, well, uh, as usual, you need to use your, uh, your names as your buzzers. If you could test those for me, please. Ricky O. Joy. Skipper. Mm. <laughs> All right. No, it's just kind of a very basic quiz, though. very simple, very, very, very short, and about what's gone on in the sporting week. Are we ready? Which former champion swimmer went ballistic in the Ricky stands? O. Yes. Hayley Lewis. Hayley Lewis as her son, Kai, on the 200 metre freestyle. A bit unfair to Joy. He wasn't even born, I don't think, when Hayley went, went. That happened this week. No, when Hayley wouldn't know who Hayley Lewis is. Do you know who Harley Lewis is? No. Sorry. If he'd read the news this hey, week, he Hayley's would have a seen... Queenslander. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Oh, dude, that's shame on yeah, you, Joey yeah. Arrow. <laughs> Kai Taylor, 200 metre free... From lane eight as well, he did it. Only qualified yeah. when Cole Chalmers pulled out. Uh, who is the highest placed Aussie at the US Open golf? Joy. Yes, Joy. Um, Cameron Smith. Oh, close. He's second. It's Min Wu Lee at six under. Ricky Fowler's about 1,000 under at the moment. Argentina, Argentina legend uh, Lionel Messi scored his quickest international goal ever skipper. against the Socceroos. Yes, skipper. Yeah, against Australia. It was um, 39 seconds. 
Steve, it's very, uh, give him a point for at least knowing what the question was going to turn out to be. How <laughs> long after, point what? How long after kickoff it was, in fact, 79 seconds? 79. 79 seconds. How many wickets did Nathan Lyon take in England's first innings of the Jai. Ashes opener? Yes, Jai? Four. Yes, correct. He's on a roll here. What school did Jai Harrow go to? Jai. Yes. <laughs> 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 I thought you might have needed one by that stage. <laughs> Whose name am I spelling backwards? A M U L A O. Joy. Yes, Joy. Tamalolo. Oh. No, it's not Tamalolo. That's close. This would have been given by F O N. First name Skipper. Yes, Luma. Yes, yeah, David Nofaluma. Give it to the veteran. Give it to the veteran. <laughs> well done. thinking. <laughs> and finally, a medical question for all of you doctors. If I've broken my proximal, proximal phalanx, what have I done? If I've broken my proximal phalanx, phalanx. what have I done? Um, uh, uh, look at broken the, finger? Look at the no, close. It is, in fact, Broke. you've you've toe. You've busted a toe <laughs> into the look I on your throat, face. Not did you? <laughs> <laughs> close. <laughs> so the look on your face when I was doing the backwards spelling it was terrific, Jai. I've never seen such concentration. <laughs> Jai Arrow with us. My name's Tony Squires. Ryan Girdler is here. David Riccio. We're uh, as you're hoeing into your your meat pie, Jai. Uh, food, uh, you, you told us a moment ago, can form uh, an important part of some players' rituals. <laughs> yeah. We've got a few weirdos, weirdos in our side that are very superstitious about what they eat. and Trying to think who it is on the top of my head, but I think Damien Cook's one of them. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have spaghetti bolognese or it's one of the boys... If they don't have spaghetti bolognese the night before the game, their heads fall off. They're gone. <laughs> like, gone. Absolutely gone. I don't know why. Um, good question, but, yeah, that's a superstition that this bag bowl, <clears throat> This bag bowl pre-game. Oh, <laughs> I love it. All right, what we'd had set the homework for, Ryan Girdler, for you, Dave Riccio, is the mid-season review. Uh, now, Jayara, you can just chip in here. I don't expect you to have uh, done the homework we didn't set for you. So there's a couple of things we want to find out. Middle of the year, we now know how teams are travelling. Will that change? What's going to happen in the future? So I'm going to set, give you a couple of them here. Uh, let's start with the clubs that may have surprised you so far this year. And, well, I guess that could have been a good surprise or a poor surprise. Ryan Girdler, where are you going to go? Um, I'm going to start with the Warriors, Tone, mm-hmm. under the new coach. I think um, last week's performance down there in Canberra in a hostile environment for, um, you know, Croker's 300th just showed what a resilient footy side they are and how far they've come. Um, just really, they've really found a way to enjoy doing the difficult parts of the game, you know, def- defensively and then also some of their key players like the form of Johnson and the combinations with Egan and then, you know, their, their middle forwards, Fennell, Blake and Harris. I think they just haven't put a foot wrong so far this year. Um, I think the two wins off um, the lead of the competition at the halfway mark in an, in an origin period where they're obviously not affected. So, um, you know, they can surge ahead you know, can get a couple more wins and come out for the back end of the season uh, in pretty good shape and still got uh, a bit of talent on the sideline, guys. Um, you know, guys like Dylan Walker and co are still to come back at the back end of the season. So I think they're going to, um, yeah, I think they're going to make the finals and, and have a good crack. You like what you're saying about the Warriors? Yeah, absolutely. I think they've surprised everyone. No one gave them a chance at the start of the year. Probably wrote them off not to make the eight, but they're sitting pretty and I think... 
I think that'll help them leading towards the end of the year too. Their for and against isn't too bad um, where there's, you know, the Raiders are on minus 71 and they're just behind the Warriors. And so, yeah, that'll help them towards the end of the year. All right, Dave Ricker, what's your surprise? Yeah, look, they're probably tailing off to the point what we probably originally thought they'd be, and but it's the Dolphins for me. Look, I just gave them no chance to even be in the fight to start the season. Um, start-up club, a real short introduction as far as recruitment is concerned. I just thought they got a, a real short lead-in time to build a squad. I, I would like to have seen them, uh, the NRL, give the, the new franchise a longer time to build a roster. But the likes of, you know, Tessie New and Ewan Aitken and Sean O'Sullivan, who was who was terrific for them early before getting an injury, and 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 you know the unearthing of Hamaso Tabuai for Doe, the Dolphins have st- really really shocked me to be honest. Just how quickly they've come together, I shouldn't be shocked given who the coach is, and, and how and how Wayne Bennett has been able to build belief so quickly in this Dolphins side. Look, ultimately depth will get them as they sit around eleventh spot at this point in time. But for me, they've surprised me. And if you ask me which clubs have surprised me the most, it's the Dolphins. All right. Yeah, I think that comes down to as well the opp- like opportunities that they've been given, like the likes of Sean O'Sullivan, who was behind Nathan Cleary at the Penrith. Uh, obviously, he wasn't going to cement that number seven spot. And then Hammer as well, who was at the Cowboys coming off the bench. So you give those boys opportunity and all it takes is opportunity for you know good footballers to actually come out and have a breakout year. Mm. All right, okay, let's flip the coin then. The disappointment. Uh, who's disappointed you most this year, Gerds? Yeah, well, it's hard to go past the Roosters, Tony. Um, <laughs> six wins, seven losses at the halfway mark of the season. Um, we saw them do, I don't think it, it might have been a sort of similar start to last year's season, and they finished with a flurry, but they just look so far away from bringing it together and coming home strong and pushing for a finals berth. I've thought, I've written them off for the year. Um, you know, at the start of the year, when you go through all the different teams and you look at the rosters, most teams, because of the, introdu- the introduction of the 17th team, well, they were depleted just a little bit, lost some depth. The Roosters, I thought, were the only side that actually strengthened their roster, obviously, you know, with guys like Brandon Smith coming into the fold. But, um, yeah, they've just never they haven't been able to find their groove on a consistent basis. I think there were some games early on in the season where, you know, you saw the form of guys like Suali'i and Mani and, and Walker. Um, they hit their straps and it was kind of like, okay, well, we've seen what they can do, but they were doing it in patches. Um, and that was early on in the season, they haven't, they haven't even really been uh, hitting, you know, good patches of form tone for the yeah. last five or six weeks. Um, they've just capitulated, and I'm just not sure that um, they've got the answers at the moment to, to, to you know, right the ship. It looks like um, a little bit of a write-off season for the Roosters, and I, I don't see them playing finals at this point. I guess everybody uh, expected Jai at some point that would turn for the Roosters, and just hasn't happened. Yeah, I agree with Gerds that he, um, with the squad and the roster they've got, you know, on paper, probably one of, if not the best roster in the in the competition, but it just hasn't clicked for them at the moment. And um, whether they find form or whether they, I suppose, figure it out, that's that's another question. But um, there's, there's no doubts that they go out there week in and week out and, and go out to win and and play their footy, it's just, yeah, whether teams have figured them out or, I don't know, it's a good question. 
Yeah, the Roosters for me, Tone, as well. Uh, by far and away, the most disappointing side of this season for me. Um, like Gerds, for all the exact same reasons. Today's game against the Newcastle Knights is defining for the club. Like it, if Gerds has written them off for the eight, well, if it comes down to, to, to today. Like, yeah, they sit in 13th, I think, at the moment. They need to be beating mm. Newcastle today. If you'd said to me that Sam Walker would be sitting in reserve grade, uh, and obviously now injured as well as a result of going back to where he suffered it in reserve grade. Angus Crichton coming from the bench. Um, a, a depleted back line. Joey Sualee off to rugby. Um, there's just so many. Uh, Brandon Smith out suspended. Victor Radley out suspended. There's just so many hurdles that the Roosters have had to jump this year, yep. and it's affecting them. It's off the field. They're not as stable and as, uh, you know, they're a quiet club. You don't hear much about yep. uh, some off-field distractions in, in years gone by, but this year it has. And and I, I am a big believer it's impacted their footy on the field. And for me, it comes down to today. To today. They need to win and, and try and salvage something from this season. Yeah, you want to be listening then. That's at 3 o'clock, Newcastle and the Roosters. All right, what about the buy of the year? And Dave Rick, yeah, you can't say all of the Dolphins team. Well, I'm going to say one of them, <laughs> uh, and that's Hamaso. Tabby Wife Doe. Yeah. Uh, Hammersay was, was, he was blocked for a run at the Cowboys. Uh, he wanted to play fullback, couldn't get into that spot with competition around Scott Drinkwater and, and went to the Dolphins. And, you know, I just didn't expect Hammersay to be so devastating and, and influential in attack, but also come up with some big plays in defence like he has this year for the Dolphins. And to the point where, he, you know, he's now uh, made it to the Queensland State of Origin team. You know, a lot of players sign with clubs knowing that it may or may not impact their representative career. And I wondered if Hammersay would have gone to the Dolphins thinking, well, it just might dent. It's an opportunity to go play fullback, great, but it just might dent my my origin capabilities. But that certainly hasn't been the case. I think he's been fantastic. You worked with him in origin this past uh, few weeks. Jay Arrow, did you test your speed against him? I got dodgy hammies. I couldn't. He didn't want this smoke anyway. Uh, um, no, nah, it's, it's credit to Hammer. He's, he's, as I said, he's been given an opportunity. He's taken it with both hands. And, and I, I feel as though, you know, Wayne's probably played a big part in that in the, in the defensive um, side of things. Obviously, Wayne's built on defence and he's no doubt been working really hard with him to to um, uh, work on his defence and uh, positional plays. So, um, yeah, I'm happy for the big hammer. By of the uh, half year so far for you, Gerds? Yeah, it's hard to go past the, the hammer and, and Reed Marnie, but I, I went with um, Reese Walsh. His oh, return yeah. to the Broncos yep. has just been hard to ignore. Yep. Um, you know, and... and Broncos are another side that sort of were in my surprise list tone where you knew they had the talent to be, you know, they had the roster to be um, a quality side. But they've won two more games than any other team in the competition. And um, and they've gone through this orange, origin period in the last couple of, of games, you know, they've been depleted and they've just found ways. That, that win against Newcastle last week, you can build, you know, is foundations for this season get built on wins like that. I mean, they, they weren't even... In that contest, I mean, they, they were by far and away, I thought, outplayed by the Knights, but, you know, they just found a way to win. And his influence, I think, at the back end of last year when they lost their way, the Broncos, they were sort of, it was a position that no one, they played Cobo there a little bit. They had guys coming and going from that fullback role. But 
no one owned that spot for him last year, and it's such a uh, an important position uh, from a attacking and defensive situ- um, position because you know they reckon that Roos has really matured in a lot of the ways that he, he talks and communicates with his with his front line. So you can just see the the difference that he's provided for that footy side, and they are where they are. I think um, you know because they've got a lot of players that are in good form, but you know there's none in more fo- in better form than Roos. All right, then, the other one, the biggest issue. What's the biggest issue in the game from the first half of the season? There's been a few, Dave. Yeah, there is. Uh, Well, can you press uh, replay off the top? Yeah. Uh, The hip drop has certainly been a a hugely polarising spotlight for the game. And, and, you know, every year we see some type of issue as far as an on-field ruling or the way the game, uh, you know, ebbs and flows on a particular uh, crackdown and the hip drop. Certainly had uh, a lot of fans, commentators, players, coaches up in arms at the start of this year about what it is, why the crackdown. And now, as I said from the top, I feel like we're going back to not knowing how to deal with it. And the game needs to make a decision on how how heavily they want to deal with it because I don't think they've done enough in the last two instances, as I've said, with Royce Hunt and Jai Arrow. Yes, of course, Jai, who was sitting here uh, with that injured ankle after surgery as well. I mean, hip drop, is it still something that's discussed at, at, at training within the club? It has been this year. It's been something, as Dave said, it's a, it's a pretty big issue at the moment in the NRL. And we actually got sent out, um, the NRL sent out uh, basically an explanation on what a hip drop is. Don't ask me. Because... A five-step guide to a hip drop. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me what it is because I didn't read it. Wall there, it's, like a poster. Yeah, yeah, it seems pretty self-explanatory. Uh, you lose your legs and bring your hips down onto someone else's with force onto the ankle. It's a hip drop. Yep. Mm. Ryan Girdler, what's your biggest issue? Oh, it's hard to go past some of the current haircuts in the game. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> have, have a look at the guy next Easy. to you, would you? <laughs> Easy. Like he's, he's, he's someone's come in and cut his hair around his headphones. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that's the prepared. balls trip across that's the top is really now that I'm injured too I'm not having a haircut or a shave for the next five six weeks so it'll be interesting to see what it'll look like mm. really you've made Can that decision better, have you yeah I just feel as though i got no one to impress I may as well just leave it until um, I'm mm. back playing for the TV game you're painting a sad picture there you know living alone just you know we'll get the violin out time. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I actually love yeah. that. I love keeping quiet. Um, you're a single man. Are you on any of the dating apps? Yeah. Nah, nah. Can't do nah. that. You're not doing that? You're nah. not swiping? Nah, I can't do that. I, not that not that invested in in that stuff. I just, okay. It's not something you're I'm more into. sort of flesh on flesh? Yeah, yes. Yes and no. How's your chat? Like, how do you go when you, when you go out? Go? You You'd like... have to ask Nighty. I, I think 10 schooners in. Oh, oh, <laughs> you got honestly, good chat? That's oh, like the best anyone, chat ever. Yeah, um, yeah. You may want to listen to those tapes back <laughs> on the 10 schooners. <laughs> well, I think I, think I am. That might, anyway. that might be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why they walk away. Like that. <laughs> uh, all right. I love it. They're the biggest issue in the game. 
Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio, Jai Arrow is with us. All right, let's have a quick look back at last night. Uh, look at that scoreboard. The Cowboys 27, the Panthers 23. It was a golden point win. Um, there was a lot of attempts at goal, a lot of attempts at field goal. It came down to uh, a drink water run that got the try to win the game for them. Obviously against a, a weakened Penrith outfit, but an important win for the Cowboys. Oh, well, it was a big win. It was a really, really important win for a Cowboys side that have been slow out of the blocks this year. Yeah. And uh, they've done well because they've now knocked off the Panthers and the Melbourne Storm in recent weeks. There was that absolute blot on the on the copybook of the page down here at Leichhardt against the West Tigers. Uh, 66 points. It was just horrendous. And then they've been able to recalibrate, come back together, think about what has made this side such a successful side. And they fought, they fought from behind on the scoreboard last night. To be honest, I thought... The Panthers blew it. It was a game that the Panthers will rue as one that got away when they were leading twenty points to twelve. Mm. Um, that's a, that's a, at that moment they should have been good enough to hold on to hold on to victory. But to the Cowboys' credit, um, they scrapped and clawed their way back into the match. And as you said, it was some drink water magic. Um, feigning, you know, the field. It looked like the Cowboys were setting up for another field goal, yeah. but he just played with his. He danced off his feet. Brilliant play by Drinkwater to get them home. Cool game. I think they were. I think they actually were setting up for a field goal, and that's just mm. the way it, it, it worked out. But that's just the kind of player. That's just the kind of player that he is. And the battle with the fullbacks last night was just exceptional. Actually, given the fact that I think the Cowboys had five players out and Penrith had six, because uh, Moses Liotta, I think congratulations to the Liotta family, had a little baby yesterday, so he wasn't up there for the game either. So that just added to the woes there for the Panthers. But the quality of the contest was was really it was really good tone, given um, how much um, yeah how much they were affected by the state of origin and Penrith, as Dave said, they usually close those games out. You know, they got to twenty to twelve, and they did it just through being relentless. Like all the things that Penrith do, like this is a really good time for clubs. You get a good look at their systems and pathways. And Penrith, over the last couple of years during uh, the Origin period, they've been able to, you know, introduce these young guys come through, um, and you get to see what's going on in the lower grades. And yeah, they they didn't miss a beat. Uh, totally disrupted, came in and were able to just sort of, you know, stick to those principles that we see him play with every week, high intensity, you know, high completion rate, not, not many missed tackles, like all those fundamentals, good kicking game, they get that right and that beats a lot of sides. But, yeah, as Dave said, to the Cowboys' credit, they knew that their season was on the line. You could see at half time when they – because they, they didn't have the ball for like five minutes and Penrith ended up scoring the first try. And they panicked a little bit then because of the importance of that contest for them because, you know, they're in the bottom of the eight. They're looking to make a run. They're coming off, you know, their, their best game of the season against the Melbourne Storm. And, you, and Tom Malolo came back so you could feel like they knew that they, it was an opportunity to beat Penrith with all those players out. And, um, and they still had like Drinkwater and Dearden and Townsend and, and Granville went in to nine. So their spine wasn't that disrupted really. Um, so it was an opportunity for them. And then at halftime it looked like they were done. Uh, Penrith just sort of were dominating that part of the game, came out in the second half and just rolled into that second half. And it was like, how do the Cowboys find a way? Because Penrith generally don't give you many opportunities. And they did. And Penrith just, you know, in the middle of that second half, I think it was a, a couple of penalties they gave away on play five where the Cowboys were able to, with their experience, just stay calm and get through their set, and then I think they got a, like a repeat set on the at, at the back end of that, and they scored off two of those occasions, and um, 
and yeah, they took the moments. I know that's what really impressed me about uh, North Queensland last night. Penrith don't offer you many moments, and when they do, you need to make them count. And that's exactly what they did. But yeah, big play from Drinkwater at the end, and it was a thoroughly enjoyable contest. It was enjoyable. In fact, you can really tell when uh, there are footy fans around. I was working at a function last night. And uh, there was obviously, you know, several tables where occasionally you hear this, Wah! and of course they're watching the, the game on their phone uh, and mm. getting very, very excited. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they pay a lot of money for your ticket, but you're getting elbowed by the yeah. wife sitting yeah. right next to you. What about Kyle felt the decision for him to have a shot from 50 metres? Wow. I don't think they had to kick a goal for a season or so, well, Kyle felt. I, I was on the lounge watching it with my, my 14-year-old son mm. and... and I, he said the same thing to you, Tony. He said, what's he doing this for? It's yeah. from a halfway line. And I said, I'm backing him in. I reckon he'll kick it. <laughs> shanked and it. he completely <laughs> shanked it. And, uh, and, and from there, the, the, you know, the, the game obviously went on and, and into Golden Point. But um, I just wanted to mention Jason Taumalolo, guys. We, you know, we speak, the Cowboys have been, you know, certainly inconsistent to start the year. They play South Sydney next week, and it's going to be interesting to see just the where now Taumalolo goes. So that was his first match after nine weeks out. It's the longest period he's he's spent out in some time. He played 56 minutes last night. I, I don't think he would have planned to go to Golden Point in his comeback game. There were times where he was down on his haunches, uh, and he was hurting big time. Had to dig deep. He ran for over 200 metres. And maybe the return of such a leader and a powerful forward like Taumalolo is the impetus for the, the Cowboys to really start to climb this climb up the ladder. They're sitting in 12th. They'll have to get moving. But next next week, South Sydney down here is going to be huge. And you're not playing, obviously, Jai. Uh, in terms of the people who you like to stand in front of when they <laughs> get some steam up and run into you, he's high on the list? Yeah, no, he's, he's not one you look forward to. When he's coming at you, he's got... He's got late footwork, he's got bumpers, he's strong, he's powerful, he's the complete footballer, um, you you could say, I suppose. But, um, yeah, he's obviously a tremendous, um, you know, game for him coming back after nine weeks. It's pretty hard to do, especially with the lungs. And it looked looked very dewy up there as well. Uh, there was a lot of drop ball towards the end in um, crucial times in golden points. So, um, yeah. Uh, credit to him, but um, hopefully he doesn't play too well next week. Hey, uh, Gerd's question without notice. Jason Taumalolo was really part of that um, that early investment by a footy club to go to the million-dollar mark over 10 years. It was that, that $10 million deal. 10-year contract, million dollars a season. Yep. Has he backed that up? Yeah. I, I think without a doubt, you know, it, it, they won the premiership, obviously, which was um, one of their goals, the inaugural premiership for that club, which was a really important step for them. But um, I, I think he's given them great value, Dave. There's, there was years there when they really struggled where he just threw the team on his back. And I think he won the Dally M. I'm not sure what, what year he won the Dally M, the only middle forward, I think, ever maybe to win a, a Dally M. So um, he had three or four years there that were just quite unbelievable where he was he was the best player, if if not the best player in the game, one of. And I think his consistency, you know, in and around the years where the, the team hasn't been going so well, barring injury, um, has been there for all to see. He made that run last night. Um, he skittled. It was, the, it was the 89th minute. He skittled the defence, got a quick play of the ball, and that was what opened up that opportunity um, for drink water in the end. So, yeah, just identifying moments and his leadership up there I don't think can be undervalued. 
We well, thought we'd take the opportunity uh, halfway through the season to have our mid-season review, uh, uh, part two. Obviously, the homework set for Dave Riccio and for Ryan Girdler. Jai Arrow is just chipping in from the sidelines here. All right, then, uh, who makes the top eight from this point? Ryan Girdler, who have you got oh, there? Um, uh, what, what we've got at the moment, of course, is the Broncos, Panthers, Rabbitohs, Storm, Warriors, Raiders, Sharks, and mm. Titans. Obviously, there's uh, other games happen this weekend, but that's the yep. top eight as we speak. Well, I'm going to lock in the Panthers, the Broncos, the Storm, South, and the Warriors. Yep. I'm going to lock those five in. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I think the, the Cowboys, after that win yesterday and with some troops coming back, with that talent, they could make a run. So I'm going to throw the Cowboys in there. Mm-hmm. I th- I, the, the whole Dylan Brown thing concerns me a little bit for the Eels. I'm not sure about that situation, but I would, I think, I would put the Eels in there. They were good last week without him, weren't they? But yeah, yep. and and I think it's either Sharks or Manly, and it, and it's really hard on that. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go with. Manly. Mm, that's good. Over the Sharks. Good that you did that before Wade Graham came in. Sharks concern me. I, I'm sure he's a little bit concerned about, you know, the Sharks and what's been going on of late as well. You know, I don't know, but there's some good – there's there's probably 12 sides that could get into that finals this year, Tone, and, and yeah. hold their own, but unfortunately – well, they all can't. <laughs> exactly right. That's the nature of a top eight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what have you got, Dave? Yeah, look, I've got uh, pretty similar to Gerds. I'm going Panthers, Broncos, Storm, Bunnies all make it. Yep. Uh, Warriors make it. Mm-hmm. Raiders. Oh, the Raiders, yeah. I forgot about the Raiders. Raiders make it. Actually, this is what I'm doing, right? You've got two left. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. So okay. it's the entire current top eight, which includes throw the Sharks in as well, but mainly drop out. And, I, and my point... I'm here the Titans with, stay? What do you say? Manly drop out? Manly, manly aren't there, are they? Manly are eight, aren't they? Manly eight. So who comes in for Manly? So Parramatta. Okay. And I hear your point around Dylan Brown, um, and that does concern me as well. So the, the, arguably it shows how big this afternoon's game is between Manly yeah. and Parramatta. Yeah. But for me, I just want to differentiate why I, I can make, maybe make a case for uh, different to why Gerds has gone Manly and not Cronulla. Mm-hmm. Cronulla get me over the line through their depth, and Manly don't have a lot of depth. And where what I mean by that is the Newtown side for of which is the Sharks feeder club, and, um, they're flying. They got the likes of Connor Tracy, um, Sam Stone Street, Kale Iro, Marwenny already. Like they got depth and. I just and there's a couple of key forwards missing tomorrow's uh, tomorrow afternoon's game for Cronulla. Toby Rudolph still not back in that. So so I think they've got enough to to play a, a role in that top eight. But yeah. for the rest, I don't see it changing too much at all. Parramatta are warming now. They're warming, um, and you know they they picked up Joe off of Hingawi, which will stiffen them up as well in the pack. So. Just the straight swap, mainly out, Parramatta in. Right, well, it's quite phenomenal, phenomenal tone that, um, you know, South Sydney are fourth on 18 and the Cowboys are 12th, or the, the, the Roosters are 13th on 16. Yeah. yeah that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Big part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Four and against yeah. is going <laughs> to, I reckon, define a few spots towards the end of the year. Yeah, and also down the bottom, and where most of the interest is with the in terms of the wooden spoon and how the Dragons will go. Uh, 
then we're going to get to the Dragons and the new coach and what that means to them in, in a little while. All right, since we've got the top eight, let's just go straight to the top. We're the grand finalists. So who, who did you, do you remember, Gerds, who you had at the beginning of the year when we stuck it in the vault? Yeah, I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you going to play it for me? No. Or can I change it and lie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, then, if you're not going to play it, um, I think I said, um, I think I said um, three-peat for the Panthers. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I said the Roosters. No, you I did. The Roosters, Roosters might Roosters. get there. But, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a, a South Sydney Penrith grand final. And I saw a stat the other day that was interesting. It was every time South Sydney have played in a grand final and lost, two years later they've won the comp. Now, didn't they play in a grand final in 21? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So I'm going to go with um, I think the bu- it might be the Bunnies year. The Bunnies. If Arrow comes the back and, and aims up. You're the rabbit too. Well, this is not a good sign if you're a South Sydney fan because we both tipped the Roosters to win the comp. Did you tip Roosters? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yep. Right, I did too. They're mm-hmm. gone, mm-hmm. right? And now I'm about to tip South Sydney as well. Oh, yeah. Right? So Gerds has tipped South. I've tipped South. Yeah. Sorry, Bunnies. Fans. Get on. <laughs> Get on, Dave. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, you got confidence. It came right. to me as a fla- like in a flash of light. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dead set certainty. It's a lay down. Boys, I appreciate it, but don't put the mock on us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love what South Sydney have done with this season. They went 15 rounds without a bye. Yeah. Were 15 yeah. rounds. They had injuries to their pack. To start the year, yes. they recovered from those. Uh, one clearly won matches. Um, they've shown an ability to to win in different ways, coming from behind, uh, absolutely smashing teams. I I love how they're maturing yeah. as a squad, and also certainly f- Lachlan Elias. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, Dave, the fact that they've got some guys on the sidelines now. Um, that, you know, with with little injuries like Latrell overcome the calf, Cody will overcome the the strain, whatever it may be. Cam Murray he might miss a little bit of footy, but by finals time, when the whips are cracking, you would imagine all of these guys will be back on deck, deck, and they haven't had big Origin campaigns, so they won't, you know, have to worry about all that emotional fallout from that, and they should be ready to roll. Jaira's chest puffed out. It's good. <laughs> he's sunken in his chair. Yeah. That's what he's done. He doesn't like it. Finally, uh, Dally M medalist. Who wins it, Dave Rickio? Well, I did. I did declare Nico Hines to go back to back. I'm I'm not prepared to rule that out completely. Uh, he's probably a byproduct of the way the Sharks are going at this point in time. Um, my Dally M player of the year will be Reese Walsh. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. Having a big year for the Broncos. Okay, good. Yeah, well, look, I think I said, um, I think I said Cam Murray at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Cam's up to at this point, but um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump ship. I'm gonna get on to Big Payne Haas. I'd love to see the big man um, get the gong. What a season he's had so far. I think he was, he was up near the top um, a couple of weeks ago. And I know that they take a lot of points off, off each other, guys like Walsh and Reynolds and Haas, but. He's just undeniable every week. You, you know, his output is just incredible and he's got a figure in the voting. So I'm going to stick with the big man. All right. And let's hope he has a huge one next Wednesday as well. Look, it's a, just a, a sad fact of life when you do a radio show that happens across the lunch hour that at some point you have to force food down yourself uh, and you have to do it quite quickly. I, I've never seen it done quite so quickly as Jayara has managed. <laughs> we, we did get some, some pies in. Um, four and 20, I think they were. Four and 20, yeah. Uh, can people actually have a look at the demolition job, well, Dave yeah. Riccio? Jai the vacuum arrow, mm. they're calling it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you asked earlier what's the biggest issue in the game. Yeah. Uh, earlier you asked me that time. Well, this is the biggest issue. Mm. Just how quick 
quickly. He, he can, can inhale. Mm, digestion. Inhale digestion. a pie. Yeah, you've watched um, it four times. Is it gets better each time? It's, it's now had 50,000 views on <laughs> yeah. the Triple M Instagram page. Go nah. to it, check it out. Yeah. Oh, Both check it on out. the Triple M Twitter and Instagram feeds. It is going nuts. Oh, no Gyro inhaling a 4 and 20 yeah, pie. The, the, the dismantling of the pie, it's uh, unique the way that he goes about. Like, have a look at the transition <laughs> from the first bite yep. yeah. to that sequence of three bites, yeah. the second one, into the fourth. <laughs> and I think it's a five it's a five bite demolition of some, you know, poor four and twenty. Uh, have you been uh, in pie. any kind of eating competition <laughs> yes. in your life? I haven't, but when a man's hungry, he's got to eat. <laughs> and I, I didn't realise it, but this joint's on the clock here, so yeah. it's by the minute, not by the hour. Absolutely, so it is. I'm just, I'm just googling pie eating, world pie eating <laughs> competition. <laughs> okay. He might be off yeah. to Germany soon. Put me in, <sighs> put me in, coach. That would be good with a little a beer on the side there. Mm. Yeah. Don't fill up on bread, Homer. that he's, he's doing a fair bit of eating on his own at the moment. That's right. We've, we've established <laughs> that his, uh, got some work to, work his life his is a little bit a little. in the gutter. He's uh, there by himself. <laughs> he's got the the new dog bothering his uh, his bad ankle. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Eat. Man has got to eat. The news during the week uh, has been discussed for such a long time. Who would take over at the St George Illawarra Dragons? Shane Flanagan eventually got the nod. We all know, of course, they're set up with the the, the two bo- the board involving both the Illawarra and the St George Dragons factions uh, needed to be a unanimous decision. Uh, that eventually did come by. He will stay with Manly till the end of this season and then take over at the big red V. Uh, Dave Riccio, right? Right decision, uh, where does it play out from here? Oh, uh, yeah, it's the right decision, and thankfully, the St. George Illawarra Dragons have finally got come to their senses after such a prolonged process that really should never have got to this point in time. And that's probably my only concern for Shane Flanagan stepping into a Saints management structure that dilly dally um, can't seem to make the right call for the benefit of the club. Can't, lack of foresight is a is a concern for me. Uh, you know, we've spoken about it previously on here uh, over weeks and weeks and weeks about how I just didn't understand why they pushed forward with Anthony Griffin last beyond last uh, at the end of last season. Why did they didn't make the call back then? Because they only got to February and had internal discussions and declared to Anthony that we don't know if we're going to go with you beyond next year. What happened between November, December and January for the club to decide that they weren't sure if he was the right man? Knowing footy clubs covering the game for the past 25 years, not much happens in those three months that changes your mind from October to, to February. It's the same high-performance staff. It's the same. It's, the coach really doesn't um, have an over a, a heavy hand during the preseason, the high-performance staff does. So I don't understand what Saints saw, what they couldn't have seen back then. Ultimately, um, it's, it's, it's wasted a season as far as I'm concerned for, for Saints. And now they're at this point where, yes, it's in answer to your question, Shane Flanagan has the experience, the nous, he has the um, understanding of what, how to rebuild a club. And that's exactly where Saints so, are at. Can't we just draw the line in the sand there? The decision has been made. I think Shane Flanagan, as I said, with that experience, is the right man for it. Or are you saying that the way the board has operated uh, up to this point doesn't give you confidence that he'll get the right backing moving forward? Well, I hope so. I hope that they've had. I hope they've swallowed some ego. That's what I hope. 
and they and they know that everything they've done over the past few seasons before now hasn't worked. Their decision making hasn't worked, and they need to place faith in someone that has made it work, and they need to step back. When Wayne Bennett first got appointed at Saints, the first thing he said to Peter Doust was, "You stay at Cogra, and I'll look after Wollongong." And what he meant by that is, you run the marketing, the commercial, and the sponsorship side, but don't come down here and muck around with the footy team. And that's ultimately what the current management need to do for Shane Flanagan. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah it looks like it, it looks like they've been in search for you know some strong leadership and a and a strong personality for some time, and and that's why I think and I and I don't know Dave the intimate details of of what happened at, at Cronulla and and through that whole period, and I can understand there might be some reservations from some board members or some club members and fans about uh, Shane Flanagan's reputation, and I'm I'm not going to comment on that, but in relation to what he does as a as a, a rugby league first grade NRL coach. Um, I think he ticks absolutely all the boxes for the Dragons. And, you know, success is a, a, one of those things that it brings autonomy. So if, if you get in there and you've got a certain role, but all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a roster that's competing above expectation and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you'll be brought into other areas of the business where, you know, if you're having a positive impact in in one area, well, then it's just, well, any any sort of uh, organisation will see the benefit of bringing you into other decisions that might be then, you know, about recruitment and retention and those sorts of things. So the fact that it's a three-year deal for mine, um, I think from Shane Flanagan's uh, perspective, you know, he sees himself, I would imagine, as a career coach. So I think three years is just to get started, to get his his feet under the desk, get some results, get some performance and get some guys in that organisation, you know, competing and uh, performing the way that um, we know that they can. And then I reckon the the rest of it can take care of itself if the board can get out of their own way. The good thing is, I think, Dave, the fact that they've been able to come to terms eventually on this decision. So hopefully on the back of that, if they get that, if they, and if they feel like they get that decision right, well, then maybe it does bring them a little bit together and they've got a strong personality you know, he knows where North is and they all get on board and go together. All right, we've got a uh, rush to break in a second. Uh, I just want to say that it, w- that it was viewed as slightly presumptuous that he chatted with Ben Hunt uh, about, you know, whether he would stay if he was the coach. I think it's obviously brilliant in that, that conversation, if it has been positive. I mean, Jai Arrow, just before you go, just help me out here. You were in ben, with Ben Hunt at Origin. Did he tell you that he would never leave the Dragons, that uh, that's his home and he wants to stay there forever? No, I didn't really come up in conversation. <laughs> it's not really something you speak about in Origin Camp. Um, what do you talk in Origin Camp? Just being around the boys, see what they've been up to lately, how's life, things like that. You don't really talk about work. Gee, that's a loaded <laughs> question, Tony. That's such a loaded question. Well done, Jai. Uh, I, I love it. Jai Just Arrow, like that, uh, brilliant two hours. Thank you so much for your contribution. Uh, go back to your lonely house with your Rocky the dog. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks for having me, boys. Next Wednesday, State of Origin number two, Suncorp Stadium. Uh, every Queenslander dreams of running out to that stadium to play in a game as large as that. Tom Flegler is no different. He joins us right now. The Boy from Innisfail, how are you, mate? Good, thanks. How are you? Very well. How is it? How's the camp going? There's obviously a lot of talk about what's going on in the Blues. You guys just cruising through. How's it been? Yeah, it's been good. We um, we got down to the uh, Gold Coast on Tuesday, and um, we just had our one of our last main main training sessions today. So, um, no, it's been good so far. The weather's been really nice. 
Hey, Tom, how, how hard is it um, from an individual perspective for you? You start on a weekly basis for the Broncos, but yet you've got to come off the bench at Origin. Does it change your preparation at all? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, the preparation pretty much remains the same. It's just um, obviously a bit of a different role once you get on the field. But um, you know, I don't think once you get on there, you're not really thinking about it too much. Um, the stage is that big. You've got that many nerves running through you. Um, you just get on with it. it- is that hard? Is that hard to manage that emotional part of it? Because obviously you'd love to be sort of out there starting, but you know how important that role is as well. But just to contain that emotion and, and have to sit down for the first 20 or so minutes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's pretty overwhelming and you sit there, you use that much energy on the bench here and on the boys. But um, yeah, you just got to try to stay as calm as possible and save your energy for when you get on the field. Hey, Tom, talk to us about what it's like coming up against your, your Broncos teammate. Well, do you, do you like rib each other at training and, and set, set the week up as far as what, um, you know, the antis- anticipation and expectation of running into each other at state of origin level? And I'm talking about Payne Haas. Right, we actually haven't really spoken about it, to be honest. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's good to come up against him. He's, um, you know, one of the one of the top performing front rowers in the comp, um, has been for the last few year, years and is it, at current, so um, I don't really think of it like that. To be honest, you don't really think of it as if you're coming up against your, your old teammate. It's um, you know, we want to beat them and they want to beat us, and that's how we sort of keep it. Speaking of teammates, Jai Arrow has been with us for the past two hours. He said to say hello to you. He said he'd love to get inside your head. I mean, he took us inside his head, and it was a very dark place uh, for, the, for the past <laughs> couple of hours. Uh, <laughs> It's um, I actually just saw a video of him munging out on a pile. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that was today or was that uh, that, that, was, that yeah. was his lunch break today. Uh, yeah, he, he dem- demolished it there. Yeah, I bet he would have. <laughs> would, would you have him covered in the pie steaks, Tom, or has he got you covered? No, nah, I got him covered. I'd like to think I got him covered anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, was, in all seriousness, Tom, uh, you made the big call, a really big call for your career. Uh, to sign with the Dolphins. Um, talk to us about how tough that was and why you did that. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty tough. I've, um, I've been at the Bronx since I was a young kid and it's the only club I've been at. So, um, yeah, it, it was a hard decision to make, but um, it was best for um, where, where I want my footy to go in the future. So, yeah, that, that's the reason why I made that decision. Tom, you, you, I'll get back to origin. Wednesday night. Like, as a, as a young guy, I can imagine you've always wanted to pull on that maroon jersey. Had you ever been to an Origin before you actually played in one? Um, I've, I've watched Origins before, played a few curtain rays and things like that, but um, it's, it's a totally different level when you're out there. And, um, you know, it's going to be extra special on Wednesday night. I've, um, I've never played a game at Suncourt yeah. before. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be unreal. I can't wait. That, that, that was my next question. I mean, you, your first game on, on home soil. I mean, what is it about, you know, what is it about that, that, that ground and that connection that the playing group seemed to have with, the, with those 50,000 screaming Queenslanders? Yeah, I, I think, like you said, it's a combination of a lot of different things, but um, one being that about 90% of the supporters are going are gonna to be Queenslanders and, um, you know, that's Queensland home ground. So, um you know, you couldn't ask for a bigger stage in Origin for a Queenslander. Tommy, got the job done, the team, in Origin 1. Uh, obviously, it could have gone either way, but some great magic from Cameron Munster. But what does Billy Slater expect? Where do you need to improve to beat New South Wales this time around? Um, I think we just got to focus on our game. 
not get caught up in what they're doing and, and the players they have on their team. And, um, you know, if we play to our strengths and, um, you know, play how we want to play, I think, um, you know, it'll put us in good stead to um, come away with the win. Uh, hey, Tom, um, Billy Slater um, has been spoken in uh, very fondly as far as his career as a coach is concerned. How? What do you find from Billy Slater uh, as far as that, that, that potential? Do you see him being able to take that step to an NRL level? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, he's only coached me a few times now, but in the short time that I've been in camp with him, um, he's very smart. He knows the game like the back of his hand. Um, he's very calm and he's, um, you know, he's most importantly, he's a great bloke to be around. He's very approachable. So, um, yeah, if he was to make that move, um, I think he'd be well suited for it. Hey, hey, Tommy, who kills the buffet in camp? Like, who's that guy? Um... Oh, I think you can't really go past Tino and Dave Fafita, to be honest. <laughs> Can you Not imagine those two terrible. going at it? Honestly. <laughs> so what? what's the setup that you guys, you have like the, the, the open, the big buffet breakfast and is it lunch? Is Billy pretty strict with diet, you know, in camp or are you guys just free reign? Yeah, it's free reign. You sort of just look after yourself. But, um, yeah, buffet, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then, um, you know, we go out for dinner sometimes here and there. So, yeah, no, it's good. You're putting on any kilos? No, nah, I'm trying not to. I think I'll put on a couple. I'm trying hard to, though. How hard is it? to get on the scales. How tempting is it? Yeah, bacon and it's eggs like tempting. every morning. <laughs> every morning. Yeah. But you Fire do have big fella. You do have the push bike regime up there in camp, which is always looks good. Tommy Flegler, uh, congratulations as well uh, on getting in there. Enjoy yourself on Wednesday evening and uh, all the best. Thank you very much. See you, Tommy. There he is, Tom Flegler, who will be uh, taking on the Blues Suncorp Stadium Wednesday. Dave, Ricky, what mail do you have? Uh, what's the story with Tyrone May? Obviously, had some troubles uh, back in the day, but overseas he went. Mm. Is there any likelihood of we seeing him again? Yeah, there certainly is. Um, reports on the Telegraph uh, this afternoon by Michael Carianis uh, is that the Bulldogs uh, are in talks with Tyrone May. Uh, as you said, uh, he was axed by the Panthers. Um, Tyrone May was back uh, after the 2021 Grand Final on, on, uh, after a controversial post on Instagram. Uh, which led to an investigation by the NRL Integrity Unit. It ultimately led to May um, leaving the NRL and heading over to Catalan. Uh, he's been playing some damn good football yeah. um, over in Catalan. And my understanding is that certainly the Bulldogs and, and notably Cameron Seraldo, um, who coached Tyrone May through the lower grades of Penrith, has been keeping a close watch on Tyrone May's performances overseas. And Tyrone's that player, Tone, that can play 6, 7, 13, yep. centre, and very much a versatile footballer. Um, I understand uh, there are some talks, certainly based on the prospect of uh, Tyrone May joining the Dogs at the end of next season. Sorry, sorry, for next season. He has informed Catalan's officials that he wants to head home at the end of this year. So it does start to lead to the point where if I'm if I'm backing any horse, I'm backing the dogs to welcome Tyrone May back to the NRL. And, you know, we've seen it before. A lot of players go away to, to grow up. Yep. Uh, they go over to the UK, mature as footballers, mature as human beings. And as I said, uh, knowing how Cameron Seraldo operates, he's he would have been in dialogue and communication with Tyrone, even without 
you know, the prospect of potentially luring him, just being in touch with him because of their affinity going back to the Panthers' days. So uh, it's an interesting one because of the dog's roster situation. Uh, he certainly would, as I said, add a lot of oh, versatility. Absolutely add. I mean, the thing about those, every, everybody deserves second chances, no doubt about it. Uh, it just depends on, on the culture of the club and who's there in terms yes. of how they they nurture somebody like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, this is part of a Bulldogs club that's on the rebuild. Uh, we know that Stephen Crichton is obviously going to the club uh, next year. And, and, you know, if Tyrone May is looking at potential clubs to come home to, like the, the dogs have seriously got a lot of Panthers relationships there. Yeah, absolutely. And it would make it an easy transition back into the game. Okay. Speaking of transitions, is is Tyson Frizzell going anywhere from the Knights? This is an intriguing one. Uh, talk to Newcastle Knights officials and Ty, um, Tyson Frizzell is number one on their list to re-sign and to the point where they're declaring they they just won't let him go. They won't they won't do everything possible. Um they will sorry, they will do everything possible to ensure that he he doesn't leave. However, Tyson is is coming towards the back end of that career when we know two things. One, he's held talks with the Tigers and also to the Bulldogs. And Again, um, as we've just spoken about the dogs, but from the Tigers' point of view, it's a relationship with Benji Marshall that's key here for Tyson. Um, they, they have uh, spent time together in the past, close friends off the field. Their, their wives and partners are close friends off the field. And um, we know that the Tigers let Joe off a Hengawi go to Parramatta early this year. That frees up a bit, a bit more cap space. Tyson Frizzell is certainly a target for the Tigers. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't think anything will get done while ever we're in the middle of a State of Origin series, but uh, while ever Tyson's playing the way he is for the Blues, it's it's only in his best Absolutely. Well, the fact that he's interest. actually he's in State of Origin right. this year, I mean, his performances in the past, well, this year have been absolutely brilliant, back to the reminder of the St. George days. I, I think I saw some instant Instagram photograph of him of the buying property in Newcastle quite yep. recently. Yeah, there's no doubt he enjoys it up there. Uh, you talk to Tyson. you not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's no doubt when, when you talk to Tyson, he isn't motivated, oh, I'm leaving. There's no talk like that, I'm going. There's no talk like that. He's certainly just weighing up every option possible because, as I said, back end of his career needs to make it a, a smart one. I would think any deal that he does is a three to four year deal. Yeah. So, and and which may see him through. Yeah, we talked about the Bulldogs roster. Uh, what about the team list for this weekend's game against the Sharks? Yeah, intriguing game down there at Shark Park tomorrow yeah. afternoon, Tone, because we see the Sharks, uh, and we 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 see them in the headlines in and around Nico Hines, and also how they respond from that absolute shellacking that the Melbourne Storm gave them last week. I don't foresee any changes from the Sharks' point of view. Craig Fitzgibbon is backing his current squad to show that it was a one-off. But for Canterbury, they've been forced into a pretty uh, late change here as far as their preparation is concerned with Matt Burton being called into the New South Wales Origin team. It's left them without their starting halfback. Yesterday, the, the Bulldogs... Uh, applied to the NRL for special dispensation to include Josh Reynolds into the final 17. I understand that is bound to happen. That will happen. But the big change will be in the halves, and my mail is that Kyle Flanagan has earned a recall to the starting halves uh, for Canterbury. We know that Kyle has been back in reserve grade over the past five to six weeks playing hooker uh, in somewhat of a transition for him. 
but my understanding is that it will be Kyle Flanagan and Carl Oluwapu lining up in the Bulldogs' halves against the Sharks tomorrow. Dave Riccio, Tony Squires, Ryan Girdley with you. You're on the sideline at the which game, uh, Dave? 5.30 Combank Stadium, okay. Parramatta versus Manly for the, for the Arthur Family Cup. That would be so good. That'd be cool. You, you, is that your favourite spot, sitting on the sideline? Yeah, it's an unbelievable experience. It really is. It's not work. It's no. fantastic. You can actually hear the uh, the contact. Oh, you can feel it. You for, can hear for people it. like us who don't enjoy the contact, yes. uh, just to that close just to, to watch it. Yeah, just yeah. to watch it. Yeah. It's brilliant. Time for this. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, very simple operation, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to throw these ideas at you. Tell me whether you believe them or not and why. Okay, we've been talking state of origin, obviously, and we know the pressure that is uh, on New South Wales side have to win this. If they don't, uh, I think we all know that Brad Fittler won't be there next year. But believe it or not, New South Wales don't have any other coaching options to take over from Freddie. Ryan Girdler. Well, firstly, um, I don't think we'll need one. But secondly, yeah, I think there's there's some guys out there. I think people would, um, you know, climb out of the woodwork for an opportunity like that. Tone. Mm. Um, if I had to, if I if I had to, um, you have to select. Some, I'd say, you know, I think it'd do a really good job because I, I spoke about last week. It's 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 about the theatre and it's about the story, and you also need to understand the game. I reckon Maddie Johns would do a good job. Mm. Maddie Johns. Just, yeah, just Maddie with, you know, a group of people around him. But I just reckon, you know, because he just gets that theatre of it right. He obviously knows the game inside out. I just reckon, um, and I don't know whether he'd be interested in it, but if um, if Freddie wasn't to be coach next year, I think he will be. But if he wasn't, I think that'd excite people, bringing yeah. someone like Maddie in there for an opportunity. Maddie is working about 180 hours a week. He's a pretty week busy guy, though, at, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Joey probably wouldn't be part of it. Well, no, because Joey wants to punch him, according That's to right. Matthew. Who is well, the Joey's in stories. there now, right? Yeah. Joey's been doing some stuff. So I think if you're going to um, bring in some new people, you bring in, you know, some new people. Okay. What do you think? Uh... Yeah, look, I, I hear where Gerds is coming from. And, and, you know, Origin is such about the theatre. Now, if I turn on any press conference over the weekend, there's only one I want to watch, mm. and that's Ricky Stewart's. What I really like Ricky Stewart as a New South Wales Origin coach. I love his passion. He he knows exactly what the New South Wales jersey means to the players and to the community and to the state. Uh, we've seen it before. And you want to talk about passion and leadership? Well, he's, Ricky Stewart's got it in droves. Of course, the question is, can you do both jobs? Well... It just doesn't happen anymore, does it? Just, it? It's sort of gone out of vogue, right? Yeah. But... Um, if 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 Ricky Stewart was to do the job, Michael Maguire is a pretty handy assistant to step in and f- hold the reins for six weeks. So, look, I'm not wishing ill of Brad Fittler. I hope he goes up there and wins and wins the series. But um, I think it's moved past that, though, Dave. Yeah, maybe. I think the amount of work that's done in and around the game, not just promotionally, but with pathways, and I think it's probably unfair to Ricky. You know, it's definitely unfair. Well, I think it's actually unfair to all three parties to get someone in there with so many, you know, different things on his plate just to focus. Mm. And it's probably a little bit of a disadvantage because that's what Queensland have. Yeah. I think we should go back even further and just reintroduce the captain coach. Oh, yes. That would be... Yeah. You know, well, when... Cam Smith did that for a while, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to anyone else who was involved. Yeah. But, I mean, that's you know, exactly. that's just... That's the nature of, you know, the way that he went about his business. Absolutely right. Believe it or not, Luke Brooks doesn't know the West Tigers anything. 
Of course, we know that he's turned down uh, their offer, their contract offer for an extension for next year. Doesn't owe them anything. Can I, can I just start by saying, Tony, I think that's actually a, a positive for the club as well um, because, you know, it seems like a funny time to be Norton business when you've got a guy that's in really good form that hasn't been in, in form for long periods over his career. And at the moment, Luke, he's doing really good things. But is that sustainable? Like we've seen him go through patches before where he plays really well for a period and then he drops away. So I think for the Tigers, it's probably not the best time to be offering him a contract. And I know it's, it's you know, well below what he's on at the moment, but... Um, yeah, maybe they just need to cool their jets just a little bit as well and just see what happens in the back end of the year before they start sort of getting excited and throwing around offers for long periods for a guy that's, you know, would just need to be honest and, and, and up front, you know, has, has had a roller coaster of a career. Yeah. yeah. It's almost as though the Tigers, there's an element of the Tigers believing that they owe Luke Brooks something, not the other way around. And what I mean by that is that they have offered him a contract extension at a time where the Tigers are on the up. And internally there might be this belief that, hang on a sec, this bloke's been through the ringer, through the tough years. Don't we owe him an opportunity to carry us up the ladder through the, as the roster takes shape? So, But just at half the money that he's on. Well, potentially. But for me, Luke Brooks has made the right call. He should put himself to market and yeah, on I with Gerds. Uh, yep. Get out of there. Discipline, obviously, is very important in club football. Uh, you know, you've got to have a, a line. Otherwise, there's anarchy, Dave Ricky, mm. if you don't do that. And we, we were seeing that with Jaiara, just anarchy for two hours. Uh, Greg Mazu was dropped for missing the team bus. This is post-game, I think. Yep, certainly, yeah. It's not the first time it's happened at Newcastle, by the way. Really? Missing the bus? Yeah, it's happened before. Okay. Yeah. I need to start getting the train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's unusual reason, though, to be dropped, Ryan Girdler, wouldn't you have thought? Oh yeah, there's definitely some different reasons you can you can be dropped, Tony. Um, mm. I, I went through a, a little bit of a period um, where I got dropped for an, 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 a really unusual reason. Oh, hello. I was actually um, I was about eighteen. I was coming through the system, and I started dating the stepdaughter of the coach. <laughs> and I played a little bit of first grade. Was sort of half a year in. And we're at training and, you know, you're 18, you're not really listening, you're not paying attention. And he fired a couple across the bow at training about, you know, reserve grade and things like that that I just let go through to the keeper. Mm. And then um, and then it was a Tuesday night. We'd just been to the movies. I dropped her out the front of the coach's house and I was just about to drive off. Just <laughs> as I was about to go, she tapped on the window. I went down the window and she said, oh, yeah, and by the way... Dad said you're playing reserve grade this week. <laughs> Fair to say, Tony, that that, um, that relationship ended pretty quickly. <laughs> but he dropped me. I went back to reserve grade. Wow. I mm. love it. Well, there you go. There's, there's the coach and the, the stepdaughter, did you say? Or stepdaughter, the, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's the coach and the son today. Uh, we're we're going to come back a little later and obviously have a look at the Knights and Roosters. Just for a minute, I want to look at this e- Eagles-Seagulls mm. game. Mm. It's interesting. We've had it before, uh, the Flanagans and various yep. others, but the idea of coaching mm. with your son was something that Brad Arthur was, n- by the end, not enjoying. Yep. Uh, now he has to, a few weeks later, coach against Jake, who is uh, running on for Manly. Yeah, I've loved how the Arthur family have handled this. Yeah. I had a chat to Brad earlier in the week about it, and he was very relaxed, very, very calm, um, was happy to chat, um, told that funny story in relation to sitting down at the dinner table Tuesday night on dinner. Tuesday night with Jake 
and Brad decided to just ask a couple of questions about how how's, what, what's Manly thinking about this left side or the right side. And, and, and Jake popped his head up and said, uh, oh, look out, Baldy's rattled, he's rattled, <laughs> we've got him. And, uh, and that's, it was very lighthearted and it's, it shows where they're now at as a family because it did become too intense and too much pressure yeah. um, for the coach um, and the son, and it was it was unfair. It was unfair and it was unwarranted. And and the entire Arthur family are a happy family, household at the moment because of Jake's going forward with his career and Braddy's also. So it's going to be awesome. They to could watch. have done with him at the moment, well, obviously with the news with Dylan Tom. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, which is interesting. All right, that that game though, uh, the five eights is Ryan Madison the biggest five eight we've seen for he quite some be. time. I mean, he's up against Josh Schuster, who's a small boy yeah, himself. But yeah. uh, that would be. It's one of those games where you kind of wish all those their name players were there. There's so much history with the Eels and the Seagulls, and where they both are on the table, incredibly important. Uh, which way do you see it going, Gerds? Yeah, that's it's a really tough. I just wonder where the the Parramatta points are going to come from. You know, with those halves that you just mentioned. Um, yeah, and, those, and the talent that they do have sitting on the sideline. And then when I was going through sort of Parramatta trying to generate, trying to understand where they're going to get points from, I, I just looked down and remembered that Cherry Evans and Tommy Turbo were out. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of points come through those guys at Manly as well. So it might be nil all. <laughs> but, um, so it's, but it's fair to say during this time of year, Tone, sides do try and focus on the fun, <clears throat> fundamentals. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, and I think both sides will be focused on defence, getting that area right, and then hopefully, you know, jagging a couple of tries. But... I think um, Parramatta at home. Parramatta at home? Okay. We'll <laughs> go and get whatever's in his throat <laughs> out of his throat. Triple M footy lives on listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water.